0: I'm Richard Glenn. Um, I am a minister in the Christian denomination known as the New Church, also sometimes known as Swedenborgianism. Um, I was ordained just this past summer, so I am fresh out of the, the field. Press. Yep, fresh out of my long, long life of education. Finally, boots on the ground in the real world. Um, Strange time to start being a minister with a pandemic and all, um, <laughs> but yeah, I've really been enjoying it, and and maybe we'll get into more about what the new church is and how it differs from other branches of Christianity as we get into it, but but that's me.
1: And my also. name is, is Luke. I am, actually was a poli-sci major, worked in the government for a little bit. Did not enjoy myself and then decided to pursue uh, my passions and uh, help out a community that I thought is great, which is my church community. And one way in doing that is um, by by like hosting media content and creating content for our sort of international church. So beyond the podcast that Richard and I started, um, I also do a lot of different productions for the church. We just did a YouTube series um, called Big Spiritual Questions that have been uh More popular than I expected, which is great. Uh, And we're doing another season right now of that. And yeah, but just thinking back to our podcast specifically called Spiritable, check it out wherever you, you know, find podcasts. Um, It's cool because Richard and I didn't know each other until we were 17. And so our origin story is that we both moved into a dormitory together because we were doing uh, sort of a boarding school type of thing and we met hit it off like the first day and have been besties ever since and i was just thinking about this recently like looking back at that it'd be cool to go back and visit us having known each other for a week and be like hey you guys are going to create some cool content for your church society together um that would have been a wild thing to have heard and and known so (laughs) it's fun looking back on our history and we're both very passionate about um spirituality in general and just the power of belief and, and the goodness that spirituality can bring and kind of the universality of belief, um, however it reaches people. And I I think both of us, I don't want to speak for you too much, Richard, so chime in, but I'll speak for myself. I get frustrated by people's inability to talk about things. Like you don't go up to people on the street and be like, you know, I'm I'm struggling with this thing with God right now. What do you think? Like, obviously that's too deep to just like approach a stranger with, but there's this whole taboo about talking about what you believe in or what you were raised with, where you are now. And I just don't think that's a very useful wall to have up. So I'm all about breaking down that sort of arbitrary wall and talking about where we come from, how our beliefs differ, how we're similar and just making space for that in friendships and in casual relationships, even so that's some of some of our ethos, and we can definitely get into more specific belief stuff, but I'm sure you have questions as far as that goes
0: yeah definitely I, oh, go I'm, I'm big on conversational spirituality. I think that something that has been a big point of suffering for a lot of, um, Western churches, especially I can only really speak to my experience in America, but a lot of American churches, especially more traditional churches, uh, struggle with this, this kind of distant feeling, um, this, this inaccessibility, um, and and almost like a stuffiness that I am very, uh, against, Um, I, I think that church should be where you go, a community that you can be supported by, not a community that you feel like you have to prove anything to. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that talking about, like we were talking about before we started rolling, just having those big thoughts is, is I find so important and I'm a person that processes very verbally um, a fun story about that. I watched a show a while ago and texted actually our, uh, our producer, uh, Ben, who isn't on the call with us, obviously, uh, and said, I need you to watch the show because I don't know whether I liked it or not because I, I needed someone to talk to the show about mm-hmm. because I'm such a verbal communicator. I can only understand things for myself if I'm talking to someone about them. So spirituality has always been something that I've talked to people about. And I have found it so useful for myself and, and my experience is that people have found it useful. And I just want to get rid of the weird stigma around opening up about that sort of thing or or the stigma around having different beliefs to the other people that you're in a community with. Um, because if we have ideas that we think are important enough to live our lives by, why aren't we telling other people those ideas
1: or at least being okay to talk about those ideas? Like, I think yeah. if everyone was evangelizing constantly, it'd make for a very strange world, but we should be pumped about the stuff we believe in and the direction our lives are going. And if you're not, then maybe reexamine those <laughs> values and, and what and goals, you know?
2: Yeah. Where do you think that stigma comes from?
1: I think um, at least in our Western culture, uh traditional christianity was very closed off like even in the history of it um people escaped religious persecution and came to this country and so you have this whole identity sort of formed around something that needs to be removed from other people to keep it safe um and, and i think that general uh stance kind of seeps into modernity uh, especially in Christianity. And I can only speak for that because that's what I'm a part of. Uh, I think that's a big part of where it comes from and a lot of insecurity on a more personal level of people, you know, growing up in a culture, religion, not really sure if they believe it at this point or not, not really sure how their values mesh with what they were raised with. And, um, it, yeah, it's just, an, it's probably the most personal thing to hold as an individual and so being challenged on that, or even the thought of being challenged on that, uh, would be extremely vulnerable and difficult. And it's hard to go into that a lot of the time. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think religious persecution is a big one, or or even just like disrespectful religious exchange. You know, how how often do we hear uh, people of one faith mocking people of another or saying that they they're... Evil because of what they believe, or saying that they're going to be damned because of what they believe. How often do we hear the uh, conversations between atheists, agnostics, and theists going south quickly? A- and even amongst um, a lot of faith practices, doubt is a thing that is kind of looked down on, right? If if your faith is shaken. It's because you aren't as good a Christian or, or, you know, whatever faith you're a part of a lot of faith struggle with that idea. And I think that doubt is uh, an environment in which the best conversations happen, right? When you're actually questioning earnestly, what is right and what you should believe instead of uh, a, a kind of defensive exchange that often mm. happens with different, <clears throat> different belief systems.
1: Can I, can I, can um, I rant real quick?
0: Yeah, Please. go ahead. Hit
1: it. Please do. <laughs> well, I, I think a lot of people are also trapped in a very in Christianity again, in an old Testament mentality of like, we need to talk to people who don't believe what we do the same way that like God spoke to the children of Israel. Like he, God handed down the 10 commandments, which are, it's not like uh do this and you'll be great. Everything, Everyone's awesome. It's like, don't do this. Don't do this. You're bad if you do that. Don't do this. And so we get this sort of coming into the 21st century, this conversation around like, well, if, if you don't do X, Y, and Z, you're going to hell and you are damned. If you don't admit Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and savior, you're damned to hell. I don't care how good of a person you are. And I just think it's so disconnected from how we can receive God now, like Mm. the children of Israel kind of needed to be bossed around. They were simple (laughs) people, but I don't think we're in that same stage of development anymore. And I don't think that's how God works with us anymore. Like God Mm. meets people where they are. And we have this whole issue, constant issue in Christianity of the church saying like, no, you need to meet us where we are because we can't change. We're always right. So people need to change for us. When I think, A great swap would be like: How can we actually reach people in a way that they can receive, and and still hold our values, hold what we think is right, but adapt it to where we are now. End Mm -hmm. rant.
2: That was a good rant. (laughs) (laughs) So, do you think there there needs to be some uh, like updating or like a newer testament in a way, or like a a a different perspective on the words that are in the Bible?
1: Richard, I'll throw that one to you, buddy.
0: In short, no. Um, oh, that was a perfect place to just toss the writings out there. Well, I was going to. Oh, okay, uh, okay, <laughs> so, okay. So our, our, <laughs> our faith has sort of that. Um, there's this guy, Emanuel Swedenborg. He was like an 18th century uh, philosopher and theologian who wrote a lot about uh, a deeper meaning in the Bible. Um and did a whole like exegesis of of Genesis and and Exodus um, and talked a lot about what spiritual life looks like and, and what religious life looks like and, and real Christian morality and and things like that. Um, But I also think that even amongst people who have not, who don't have a, a different revelation as part of their faith practice. I mean, look at Judaism. Judaism today has changed a lot from the last time they added anything to their canon because people just naturally grow and change. And, and we learn how to interpret our, our faith and scripture differently over time. Look at the Catholic church today compared to the middle ages I'm very glad it's not the same church it was then. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just think it's this constant this constant struggle of the way that we interact with our faith changing and um, the organizations of our faith trying to make sure that the change is a healthy one. Because I think that's a lot of the job of faith organizations, right? Is to make sure that, that the truth of the faith, the ideas, the the good ways of living aren't being uh, destroyed or or forgotten. But the struggle is holding that while also allowing people to reinterpret and understand with more wisdom what our faith practices are saying. Because I'm of the mindset that humanity as a whole is growing and changing um sort of like the aging of a single person's life that humanity also is getting older and hopefully getting more wise um and we need to make space for us as a community of people a global a universal community of people to better understand how to live our faith mm. That's so more. Cool more a reunderstanding than necessarily uh, an addition of something new yeah
1: i think it's sort mm-hmm. of a reapplication like if you look at the fundamental values of christianity judaism islam like they all come back to two major things which is love god whatever you call him um and love the neighbor do good things to the neighbor um, but we see in all these different texts how that's applied differently to people where they are in space and time and so i think we don't necessarily need new revelation, but we just need to look back to those fundamentals and see how we can apply them
2: now. Um, I'm
1: also I'm not Bahai. I don't know if, how familiar you are with Bahai, the the religion.
2: I don't um, know. i never even heard of Bahai.
1: Oh, you should check it out. I'm pretty interested in it. Um How do you spell it? B A. Oh, I'm sorry if anyone's Bahai out there because I'm probably going to butcher it. There's a, there's a couple apostrophes. I'm going to screw up. B A H apostrophe ai i think okay or maybe b a apostrophe h a i b
0: a h a apostrophe oh A-I. see i knew i was gonna <laughs> get it wrong um
1: but one of their tenants uh and again i don't know much about it i've been meaning to look into it but they say that um god sort of has a revelation or sends a prophet of some kind every 500 or so years to meet the people where they are at the time whether it's jesus or muhammad or whome- whomever So I, I, there are some people who think that more doctrinally, but I think for me, it's just looking at the universal fundamentals and applying it to where we are.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, you guys say the, the second coming is more of a, um, internal, it's an internal second coming, right? It's not actually like, you know, Jesus Christ himself is reincarnating. It's more of like, he's his Christ consciousness is reincarnating into our being, right?
0: Yeah. So a little bit of, uh, a both situation um so so like i said the the writing of this guy emmanuel swedenborg um our, the organization i belong to um general church of the new jerusalem is our church name um believes that those books are the second coming in the same way where we look at the the writings the words of jesus christ which is the new testament as our our the first coming um, it is a coming of truth, not necessarily a coming of person, sort mm-hmm. of like at the beginning of the book of John, it says the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. It's the, it's the truth coming into an earthly form. Um, not that, not that the guy Swedenborg was holy or requires worship in the same way that like Isaiah or or Jeremiah, our prophets, um, he basically wrote down what God wanted people to know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was in itself sort of the second coming, but it also is a, a symbolic um, second coming uh, uh, of humanity's understanding and and our personal faith practice and
1: and I would argue that. that that personal understanding is more important or a place to place the emphasis on of like, yeah, the, the, the theological works themselves are sort of embodiment of that second coming, but it only matters as long as we can take it in or understand it. And lots of people get that in, in other places as well. So I think we can all find our way to the second coming of sorts.
2: How did you guys find your way?
0: Born and raised baby. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I, I I grew up in this faith practice, um, so I, I didn't have to really find it. Um, I did have. You found something
2: different though, like you 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 created your own church, right? Or at least from Emanuel Swedenborg. So it's it's like you found a different way to approach it, though, right?
0: Well, well, the 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 church denomination that I am in is uh, founded off of the old Testament, the new Testament and the writings of Emanuel Swedenborg.
2: So how did you find that? Like what age or like what prompted you to say, mm, I don't really want the traditional ways. I kind of like this way. And you, you created your own, uh, I guess you could say platform, your own, your own interpretation.
0: Um, it was, it was what my parents had found already. They, they both read it and, and believed. Yeah, the, it the church and, has uh,
1: been around since, um, what eighteen hundred seventeen nine? When was the first church? Eighteen
0: hundreds, sometime.
1: New church histories, I don't uh, know.
0: So yeah, this <laughs> the
1: the the Swedenborgian religion has been around, or the General Church of the New Jerusalem has been around since the eighteen hundreds.
2: Oh, okay. So you so guys re- have both been brought up into that faith.
1: I was partially. My dad. My dad was part of the faith. My mom um, was when she was married to him, but once they divorced, um, she wasn't then remarried. And my stepdad's very evangelical. So I went to some more traditional Christian missionary youth groups going up and some mission trips and that kind of thing. And, uh, kind of left a sour taste in my mouth, uh, from that experience. And so I uh, started looking into my dad's religion a little bit more, really liked the things I saw. And, uh, yeah kinda kind of went from
0: there
2: if you could put it simply um what makes it different from traditional Catholicism
0: um to put it simply uh the Bible is a continuous story about our spiritual journey um, and heaven is a choice that all good people make. Heaven is not where you are sent. Hell is not where you are sent. Heaven or hell is a choice based on what you love. Um, People that love each other and love doing good and bettering the world choose heaven. People that love selfish things and taking advantage of others choose hell. Um, and that is true of, of anyone of any faith practice, um, theist or atheist. Of course, if you die and suddenly there's an afterlife, you probably won't stay atheist for too long. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> yeah. Unless somehow we all create our own afterlife based on our belief in, in this life.
2: Some people say that.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, the, uh,
1: Shoot, man, I wouldn't that... want to choose to be dead forever.
0: What is that faith practice <laughs> called?
2: My is there so grandma, is it? That, that yeah, like a certain practice that has
0: that universal? Hmm. Oh,
1: yeah, you're me about your grandma that one time. I forget. No, not my grandma, it's
0: Justin's, it's Ju- yeah, Justin's grandma. Our, our one of our friends, Justin, his grandma, was part of this church for a while. Um, but <laughs> like Luke, I, I also went to some some other denominational Christian things growing up. I actually got kicked out of a few. Wow. Um, because so you're I was a
1: jerk. You were, you were hunting for an argument.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I asked too many questions. <laughs> yes. Asking too many questions. Often not with the most charitable tone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because I, I didn't like what was being said and I was 12 and lacking tact. Um and derailing classes that were not trying to go down a theological rabbit hole with me. Um,
1: um I'll, yeah. I'll say what what drew me away from traditional Christianity into the new church was this one experience I had at youth group where they had everyone put down their heads, you know, kind of like we were playing thumbs up, seven up throwback um, in school. But wow. so we put our heads down and they were like, raise your hand if you have been saved. And I was like, man, I, I was probably seventh grade at the time. I was like, I don't know how I feel about the whole being saved things, but like, technically I guess I haven't been saved. And so it was this very like put on the spot type of thing where you like revealed yourself by raising your hand. just so the pastors could see who had not been saved and they could pray for them and stuff. And so I did that and then felt kind of just gross about it. And just got me thinking about salvation in general. And I just so fervently disagree with the traditional Christian idea that you need to admit Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior in order to go to heaven. That just discounts billions of people and and millions or or thousands or millions who have never even heard of Jesus Christ or, or seen a Bible or had any interaction with that. And like, let's put the shoe on the other foot Let's say that Islam is the right religion and you were raised Christian your whole life and someone approached you with the Quran and said, this is the truth. Would you accept that? Of course not, because you think what you're doing is right. So how can we fault people for, for these different factors? So those, that just never added up to me. I'm like, what, what loving God would be so selfish to need people to say a specific line to grant access to eternal peace and happiness? It never added up for me. And so that's one of my favorite things about the new church Swedenborgianism is I I see it in a pretty universalist lens of like yeah like I said before love God love the neighbor do what you do the best you can according to your beliefs try to be a good person and try to always change for what is better and keep yourself open to being challenged and growing however that presents itself and I think you're gonna do well and be be happy in the process like it's not about getting heaven or deserving a golden palace in the afterlife (laughs) it's it's about being happy now and finding peace now and if that for me for me if that carries over into the afterlife that's great
0: if not i'm living a good life right now you know
2: exactly it's a win-win trying to yeah Yeah, the the
0: whole the whole idea of instantaneous salvation the saved or not mentality um deathbed salvation even has always not really sat right with me I like intellectually or or emotionally I guess um like Luke was saying it doesn't seem fair like how how could a how could a god of love create a system like that where people are are damned for eternity based on chance Mm -hmm. um and, and also it's it just doesn't seem like a system that that promotes a person being their best self. Right. Mm-hmm. A- and a thing I like about, about the new church is it's very, um, wow, we're just left my head. It's very process driven. Um, it, it's a lot of focus on, on process theology, on on salvation being a process of changing and growing and bettering yourself and and overcoming bad habits and and learning to love good things more and more and and learning to love bad things less and less um and each day choosing to move closer to heaven and that heaven is a final spiritual destination but it's also a mindset it's also a state it's also a feeling
2: like a journey? Um,
0: yeah. And, and so we we have days where we're in heaven now where things are going really well and we're surrounded by the people we love and we feel loved and safe and we're being useful and we're excited to be alive. Those days we are in heaven. That is heaven, right? We've created that inside of us. Um. And there's a there's a quote from our theology that says, "The human mind um, can be um, basically a heaven in miniature. Um, mm-hmm. Heaven in its smallest form is a single person's human mind if they choose that. And And so less of like I'm trying to be good enough for some divine entity to to permit me access and more the idea of, Just, I'm trying to be the best and happiest I can be and make the world the best place it can be. And that's what heaven is. And it's what we continue to do after death. We continue to be useful and be in community with the people we love and try every day to be better. Mm. Um, It's, it's not, it's not a, a finish line so much as a transition in the same process.
2: Mm. Yeah, the journey is the destination type thing. Yeah. Mm. I feel like that's the, truly what Christ's teachings are. And it's just been over thousands of years, it's been misconstrued into this um, just dogmatic, uh, I don't know, it's just like a rule book in a way. It's like, if you don't do this, then you're not going to, then you're going to be a bad person. You're going to burn in hell. Like, it, 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 to me, once you come to like a sense of, um, you know, once you kind of sense what God is inside your your being, I guess, um, the words in all of holy books, not even just the Bible, for me, they mean something a lot different. And then, you know, whenever I read anything in the Bible, it, it hits me a little bit differently than before I kind of felt what, because um, I actually, I unlike you guys, I wasn't born and raised in any kind of faith system. So I had to find out what God was, you know? So like, if I say, I was actually didn't even believe in any kind of higher power until probably a few years ago. And then, so I say before I had this epiphany, I read the Bible and I was just like, what is this? I'm like, why, what are these stories? Like they don't really mean anything like on the surface value. But now that I internalize what a higher power really means inside of myself, I can revisit these things and it it means something a lot more in, in, um, yeah, I don't I don't know what I'm trying to get at, but what I, <laughs> I think it's it's like a um, that's part of the process for everybody. They have to internalize what that heaven is inside of them. And then um, from there, yeah, you can just live it. You can live the dream of that, that heavenly body residing in, in the human body. That's kind of like how I see it. You know, that's what heaven is to me. It is. I, I'm glad you guys said that. It's, it's a mindset. And the mindset is, for me at least, um, knowing that no matter what, I'm in this divine process and there's nobody that can really tell me, even, even on the bad days where it doesn't seem like heaven, you know, even when something goes awry and I just feel like the world's against me, I know somewhere deep down in the back of my mind, it may, it may be a very small glimmer of light, but it's still there and it's always shining and that to me, is heaven. That, to me, is salvation. Knowing that there's some kind of higher power that is resonating inside of my being, and it's always there. To me, that is heaven. And I don't know if that goes along with what you guys said, but I think it somewhat coincides. It's like part of that, in this human life, that no matter what happens, the highs and the lows, there is always that sense of being a part of the process and being connected and being a part of the process is means also that I'm connected to you. And that's a beautiful thing. That means that like, since you I'm in the process, that means you guys are in the process too. And like, that means, Whoa, that's cool. That means we're brothers. You know what I mean? So like, it just gives me a sense of, um, uh, just a sense of peace, you know, because we live in a world where it tells us don't, don't think about that stuff. Don't, um, you know, like like we talked about before we started recording, it's like everyone's too afraid to confront that higher, that higher um, state of mind that you can, we, we can all reach. But I think once we do, it'll give us a sense of purpose. And that's what we all lack is that sense of purpose. And from that purpose is, that's heaven to me. Is knowing that I have a place in this world. To know that I I am here for some kind of reason. For something wanted me here to be here. And that's for everybody. Anybody listening, you guys. There there is there is a place for all of us in this process. And to me, that's what heaven is, man. End of my rant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like. <laughs> well, said. Rants. Yeah, well said. Box Yeah.
0: I like how you. You talked about uh, the spiritual body and your body. Uh, it, it lines up a- amazingly seamlessly with a, a big um, tenet of our faith, and this, it's this idea of um, what is sometimes called the the grand man, or uh, depending on how you translate it, the the greatest human, um, and it's obviously referring to God but it's also referring to the, the structure of heaven. And it's, it's sort of a, a, a symbology for the different uses that people serve. And it, it talks very, very specifically about like there are angels, side note, uh, our faith teaches that angels are just people that have died. There aren't different celestial beings. So if I say angels, I'm just talking about good dead people. The big, the big distinction, so, so the new church theology does have a lot of this idea of connectedness, and it's one of my favorite things about it. Um, one thing, not, not to get too heavily theological, uh, but this idea that our, our, we are spiritual beings currently conscious in a natural body is sort of a foundational idea right? We are innately spiritual beings Mm -hmm. and um, the natural world is less of a reality than the spiritual world is. Um, But it's sort of a, a a place where we can work on discovering who we want to be. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, but we're still actively spiritual beings and we have a connection through the spiritual world to, Everyone that that is a is a spiritual being, right? All other forms of of sentient life, um, and a closer or further connection, depending on our loves um, over time. And and a thing that's
1: a little bit, bit,
0: yeah, like our our core motivation, what drives us, what 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 we. Love above all else, um, and the way that love takes form. Um
1: our church just talks about loves a lot, and yeah, good to, good to
0: explain. Um, and, and one of the things it talks about is how um ideas are actually spread through spiritual connection across all of humanity. Yeah. Um, and how our, our thoughts are connected to heaven and to hell and how like if, if, if you're sitting on the couch and you have like a really self-deprecating thought out of nowhere or a really mean thought about someone else, that's not necessarily you, right? Because just like heaven is hoping to influence you, hell is hoping to influence you. Um, and so a lot of thoughts are pouring in and we are what we choose to believe and keep around.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, and it's sort of a foundation for the idea of the second coming that we talked about earlier. Um, It was physical books, but also kind of a permeation of ideas. Um, And we believe there was a fundamental change in the way that humanity experiences spirituality after these new ideas came to light. Um, And it wasn't just like all the people who read the book told others about it. It was like, for heaven and for earth, there's a new understanding.
1: Mm. Um, That's kind some pretty of deep in the weeds theology, though. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but but the the way I think it uh, is different from um, a lot of the faith practices about um, returning to a divine oneness or um, divine um, energy energy or or simulation is another one um we had on was it Eben alexander who had the? Simulation. didn't he, ha- he have the belief that there's a divine oneness and we're all sort of all of our consciousness are it learning through human simulation
1: oh i think i don't i don't think simulation but it perfecting through our perfection yeah.
0: sort of maybe not simulation technically, but, but that idea um, our faith practices is different from that in that we never kind of return to a divine oneness. It, it says the, the more we are connected to God, the more we are distinctly ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and this idea of, of freedom is different than free will, right? Free will is I can punch you if I want to freedom is is freedom from restraints it's freedom from from prison and the prison is is evil basically um and the the freedom to choose happiness um and it it, i think addiction is a really good um kind of parallel to this and that evil is sort of like a spiritual addiction and Hmm any, any addict you talk to will say it is very much an imprisonment, right? It's not, that's not freedom. Addiction is not freedom. And, and the evil is also a a prison of sorts. So real freedom is being connected to God further from evil, but also that freedom makes us more distinctly ourselves and more, more empower more a more empowered us instead of a return to uh a a one one. entity Mm. yeah um and and sort of i guess the the foundation of that is an idea about what love is and what requisites a prerequisites of of love are um and this the idea of loving something outside of ourselves um is uh a prerequisite for love. So if, if God, only created us to return and be part of Himself, then there would actually be no object of His love. It would be, a, a
2: yeah. You need it, somebody it would, to love. Have
0: reality. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You need the and love isn't
1: real unless it's given back, like.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah there needs to be reciprocation so we need to be outside of him and also our own sentience to be able to choose to love back mm. right I if you think you
2: think that's what's going on in this life is like we're learning how to love in all different ways and like in in all seven and a half billion people that are on earth like do you think it's all these subjective ways that god is learning how to love himself
0: i i think that it is us learning how to Love God, hopefully, Um, isn't that the
2: same thing?
1: I don't think we are God.
2: I think we're a part of God. We're not all God, but the part of us that that loves that loves is a part of God. Because, like, I this is what I believe is that our our spirit, like my body, isn't necessarily of it, but my body can act in the way that is. And when they, it's like when they say God is love, you know, that's kind of like the only way that we can experience God when it's not really uh, like I can't experience it with words or a podcast or read a book essentially but truly experiencing what God is is truly experiencing love in my opinion and that's to be loved yeah. and to love that and that's so I don't know yeah I think that's kind of like
1: yeah I guess just the lens they, I would put it under isn't God learning how to love himself but um, just kind of perfecting this reciprocation of love as it goes, because yeah. if, if God just wanted to love himself, he would just love himself, but that wouldn't really be love because it's not freely chosen, so like I mean, God could have just created little automata running around that were just his robots that loved him back, but that wouldn't be real, and so our choice to follow love to follow God, and we're using those yeah. interchangeably mm-hmm. um is that process of the reciprocal divine love
2: you think that's like kind of why we're here
1: yeah big time yeah i mean i think love is the point of life i'm that's i'm very solid on that and yeah you know it's a way for god to transcend these different names that he appears in um you know
0: yeah i think so too and i think one of the things that that makes life so beautiful and and one of the reasons why i i don't entirely connect with sort of the idea of returning to a divine oneness is that as people grow and change they become more varied and more diverse um mm. and that's a really really beautiful process right like if you think about two babies there will be differences in two babies you know maybe one will be a little quieter one will cry more one will giggle first where one will be a little more curious but if you compare that to you know two two people in their 50s that have grown up in entirely different places experiencing entirely different culture they can both be truly amazing wise and loving people and do it and do it in such drastically different ways and that and that variety is amazing. Mm. And I think that's what the idea of kind of returning to a divine oneness loses for me Mm -hmm. is continuing to be, uh, the further perfection of, of Richard's version of what it means to love, right. Or, or Gary's version of what it means to love or Luke's version of what it means to love and that God created us differently in different environments for us to explore What love could look like,
2: yeah,
0: Um, yeah, and, and yeah. So, so I just love that idea of of the variety in love and how variety. There are a lot of different ways to do the right thing. There are a lot of different ways to show love, and one isn't necessarily more good or more perfect than another. But each of those different ways can be further perfected. Into eternity, mm. um, and that's sort of our our job is to continue to get better at loving the way we see love.
2: Wow, that's good, man.
1: And so, in a way, there there isn't a point at which we are done. Like at which we're like, okay, I'm now a spiritual being, or now I've done enough to be a good person, and. I think that can seem sort of like a desperate thought of, to some people of like, oh no, well I'm never going to be perfect. But like, no one ever can be. You know, it's all again like we were talking about the the journey to get there, this process focused, um, how focused we are on on process as a religion. You know, the process of bettering yourself and growing and figuring out how to love more and love more freely and love better and love selflessly. It's all mm-hmm. a process.
2: I like that. I like how you guys say, because there's a lot of belief systems that say we do return back to the one. That's like pretty much, you know, Eastern philosophy in a way. And, but I like how you say like, no, the next evolution is not that. It's like recognizing, I think it, it lies in recognizing that we are, we came from the one. Um, and that is, that is unity in itself. But it's even more beautiful to recognize our unity, but also our separation. Because without that, then there's no love. And if there's no love, then it's like, all right, then what's the point?
1: Yeah, I also (laughs) I also think it it makes more sense in perfection, continually increasing and getting better, because Mm. if we started out from the one and went and lived life and came back to the one, um, we're not if we're just returning to the state we started in. What's the point of going to a different state?
2: Yeah, that's good, man. I like that. I don't even know. That's uh gonna process that one for a second. <laughs> <laughs>
1: have you have you had any interaction with uh, Swedenborg's theological works or anything before?
2: No, just from a little bit uh some quotes that maybe you guys have said, but uh nothing. I've never read anything personally.
1: I mean it's extensive. It's a it's a lot to dive into. There it's are certainly lot. some works uh that are better to dip your toes in than others. But yeah, I mean I think I first read some of his stuff for myself when I was sixteen, maybe. 15
2: what's his uh, story
0: oh, oh he's dude, got a fascinating story
1: in, like he's a polymath like he he was an engineer and a philosopher and an architect and scientist like like an isaac newton uh einstein type of genius like he for for a long time he was the person with the highest iq ever recorded and oh. his, fun fact, his skull had been stolen multiple times from his grave because people believe it possessed powers in and of itself. Oh. Um, but then he had, he had a, a harsh transition to devoting himself entirely to studying the Bible and um, yeah, writing his theological works when, when he was like maybe 50 or 60 or something. Richard probably knows better than I do, but he like very much had a 180 from his life. I don't know if yeah. Richard, you want to fill in the gaps there.
0: Yeah. he. So his works are very kind of um, structural and, and scientific because he was a scientist. And there's all sorts of incredible, like his life was incredible. And uh, one of the big reasons why he's not as well known is that once he started writing theological works, uh, the Catholic Church say, basically labeled him a heretic. Um, and so a lot of his, his work, his theological work and his previous work was kind of buried and lost, mm. um, and, and kept out of popularity. Um, there's a, a random science textbook, a, a a college textbook on, um, the brain, uh, that has a chapter right at the beginning. That's basically like a one page chapter. That's like, Hey, a lot of the stuff we're going over, we're going to talk about who discovered it. And we say that we mean we meant like who made it known. There's this one random guy, Emanuel Swedenborg who discovered a bunch of this, but nobody read what he wrote. So <laughs> nobody knew that it was discovered. Uh-huh. Like he, he discovered the nervous system before people knew about electricity, uh-huh. which if you think about how wild that is.
2: Yeah. How? Um, so
0: he, um, just by by paying attention to the way that that reactions happened between the body, he called them like vibrations because <laughs> he didn't know what electricity was. He didn't have the words for it, so he's like, "There's some happening." Um, the vibes. But- he knew the vibes back then. <laughs> he <knew> the vibes. <laughs> but so he was this brilliant guy, and then basically ha- started having these these vivid dreams, um, and uh-huh. then started studying the Bible really really thoroughly and started writing theology um based on on it um mm.
2: so it was all spurred yeah. by dreams yeah you know it started what? out
0: he started having like really intense dreams that yeah. he didn't know how to make sense of That's nice. um
2: what do you guys think yeah, about he's... dreams do you think dreams are like in a way like messages in a way
0: oh i don't even know Yeah, Yeah, I don't think nobody knows. I am a highly skeptical person most of the time, um, which people often think sounds odd coming from an ordained minister. (laughs) Um, But I have done a lot of self-work to stay open to things that I kind of feel like are far-fetched. I'm very much like there is a metaphysical reality but I'm pretty sure we don't bump into it that much.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: But at one point I spent a lot of time in an old folks home and I was talking to a woman and I had had a lot of interactions with her. And then at one point she talked about how her husband had died years ago. And I was saying like, "I I can't imagine what that must be like to lose your partner in life. Like you must miss him so much. And she was like, no, I don't miss him. Like I talk to him every day. And I was mm. like, oh, like you just kind of talk and know that somewhere up there he's listening. She's like, no. Like before I go to bed, he sits on the end of my bed. I see him and we have a conversation most mm. nights. And I was like, I don't know what to <laughs> do with this. Yeah. Cause like my instinct is to be like, okay. But mm-hmm. also, she was very like with it mentally. It wasn't like she was kind of fading in her old age. She was very sharp and very matter of fact about it. Like, yeah, it's something that happens to me. Start happening. It's kept yeah. happening. I'm glad it is. It and, was real
2: in her head.
0: Yeah, but also it. We had a guy on our podcast that had done a lot of research into spiritual experiences, mm-hmm. and. There was a study done, and I'm not going to remember all the specifics, but basically the gist of it was a study was done of a bunch of of widows um, and widowers, and asked them to list the the number one thing that was most useful in them dealing with their grief. And it, it was a study just trying to figure out like how grief counseling can be better. Is this
1: David Hufford, or who is this? Yeah. Okay. Okay.
0: And, and the study's result was that the number one answer was a visit from the deceased partner was the number one most useful thing in people dealing with their grief. Mm. And that's a really widespread spiritual event to be like, if I'm someone that believes in a metaphysical reality, then that kind of mass hallucination feels more far-fetched to me then sp- but it, but it's also that, hard because that is a spiritual reality it, but it's hard because the, the
1: brain is an incredibly powerful thing like we have yet to understand like the full potential of the human brain and so to i don't know to any to ever, uh, i have trouble saying anything with 100% certainty or clarity around those sort of spiritual experiences because i'm like yeah like i had a dream of my grandma once who had died and to, do i really think she visited me I, I couldn't say that with hundred percent certainty because you know, I think our brains are, are powerful things and and can create powerful stuff that has meaning like even when we're daydreaming or trying to visualize something like we can see something and visualize it and it, it can change us just based off of our willpower outside of any external or spiritual influence. So yeah, it's it's i I am definitely skeptical when people give. More meaning than I think is due to dreams, like, oh, I had this one dream about this, which means that I need to quit my job and move to California. Mm-hmm. Or like I had a vision and I need to go and spend a week in nature. Yeah. I I, I don't I don't think that's always how that works. Um mm. yeah. I, I couldn't say with certainty at least.
0: Yeah, and and, and but kind of on the flip side, I, I totally agree with that. Um, but kind of on the flip side. I feel like the world spends a lot of time trying to figure out whether the things that helped a person heal were real or not. And at the end of the day, I go, come back to this idea that like our, our spiritual reality is more real than our natural reality. So if you had an experience that helped you come to terms with the passing of your spouse, I actually don't care whether it was actually your spouse's spirit that appeared to you. I don't care. That's not, that's not a useful thing. If I prove somehow that it was cool. If I prove that it wasn't, I've discredited something that has done amazing growth for you. If it works, it
1: works. It's like a placebo effect. Mm -hmm.
0: And like, why would I do that? Why would I waste my time trying to ruin someone's healing I don't know. I I think a lot of people get caught up on factual accuracy. And I think that real truth is more focused on usefulness Um, because there's a lot of things that I think are factually true that don't need to be said. You know, if, if I thought that Luke's shirt was hideous being like, Luke, you're such an idiot. I hate you and your shirt. All of those might be true or rather that might be factual, but I wasn't being true to how I think I should live. I wasn't being true to mm. what I owe Luke as a friend and other human being. So what there's is a truth? Lot of, I think that truth is uh, love given form right mm. or or more or more specifically wisdom is love given form um and the idea of how we learn real learning, the important learning is learning how to take our love for other people and our desire to be good and creating a plan that actually works
1: mm. right? it's a much more emotional idea of truth than like. Black and white, this is true. this is not true, which yes. I really like. I'm a very emotional person, so it works well for me.
2: Hmm.
0: And, and I think that it's often really useful to kind of get into a, a heady mindset and, you know, hash things out. Does this make sense to me? I think that's really important. But the moment we divorce it from how is this useful, how does this contribute to how I love others? Why are we wasting our time?
2: Mm. Yeah, that's good, man. It's like love put into action.
1: What about you? What do you think truth is? Have you come to any conclusions? Hmm. Our church one. definitely likes these big uh, words of like love and truth and wisdom <laughs> and
2: use. Truth. Let me see. Let me... Um... Oh, I was,
1: I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I just wasn't sure if you asked it coming from a place of having a preconceived idea.
2: No, I'm trying to find the truth, man. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Again, why I it's, a, it's a journey. It's a journey. <laughs> it's, I guess, it's um truth, like universal truth, is acting according to a sense of selflessness for my fellow human beings in the best way that I can, that's kind of acting according to truth. But I think everybody has their own way of their own way to act according to the truth, but the truth doesn't change. There's still, everybody has their own way to do it, but there's still always that truth. And I think the, the truth, the ultimate universal truth is kind of beyond words. It's just kind of like something that you, internalize and act upon but there's nothing that i could say or read or listen to that could really give you truth
1: Mm -hmm. and i think yeah that was great and i think one step everything you said loved
2: it (laughs) thank you
1: one step further from that that i think is sometimes more important is people receive truth in different ways and so Mm -hmm. i think we need to apply tact to truth to Like, even in one-on-one conversations, like, because I know Richard well, so, like, if I present something in a way that I know he's not going to really get anything out of it, then that's not the highest form of truth. But, like, if I know how Richard can receive something that I want to say, knowing how to shape that in a way that is most useful for him is a higher form of truth. And and so, that's something that I'm really passionate about is trying to figure out how people receive things and molding what I have to give, whether it's an act or a saying or whatever, giving that in a way that they can't receive it. Cause like if, if, if someone can't receive something, you're giving them, there's no point to giving it like that. It mm. has not been received. So it is not realized. It is not actualized. Mm. So I think that's something really, really important that isn't often given the due it deserves. Like people are always like, well, I I tried, like I said, sorry, like, (laughs) but if they didn't receive it, if they didn't understand where you're coming from, it's not real. Like it doesn't matter. I just think that's so important. It's a skill. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think the, there's a big difference between any truth that we might have or, or be thinking about and sort of the capital T truth. Hmm. And I think at the end of the day, the capital T truth is God, right? I, um, one of the, one of the books of our faith is called divine love and wisdom. Um, and it's a book about the structure of the universe. Like how does the universe, how does the universe exist? What is it? And it basically the premise is it's divine love and divine wisdom, right? God's love And God's truth put out and was the actual creative force of the universe. Um, And so that kind of truth, like, I love what you said. We can't possibly put that into words because it's Mm -hmm. infinite and we are not, we are finite. We are, Mm -hmm. we have, we have boundaries. Our brain can only think so much, Um, but we can have pieces. We can have kind of reflections even if they're not the most accurate reflection, even if it's kind of, you know, uh funhouse mirror reflections <laughs> of the truth, it, it's still a, a, a picture of it, um, some aspect of it. And like what do you I mean said, by that. Uh, um like I don't know. I I, I think let me think of a good example. Are you talking
1: about like little moments that resonate with you as like, yes, this is what life is all about, like that sort of thing? Is that what you're trying to say?
0: I mean, or or even the the huge ideas that I build my life around, right? The The faith that I found my life, that I build my life on is different than anyone else's. Even people in the same faith practice as mm-hmm. me. Everyone sees it a little bit differently. Everyone lives it a little bit differently. And that doesn't make me necessarily any closer to the truth than anyone or a else. Or better
1: Christian than someone else.
0: Um, and, and maybe it does. Some people do pick bad ways to live their lives, right? And that's unfortunate. And there are ways that the way I choose to live my life are not good and that I could improve on. Um, but there's also variety and, uh, a different idea of what is true. And, you know, sort of like we need big, um, thinkers. We need people that are able to sit in a room and think about, you know, the meaning of existence, but we but also need, do that. we also need people that have huge hearts and are willing to just be there and say, I don't care about that. I care about listening to you right now and being with you and making sure that you know that you're supported and worth loving, right? Both those people are super useful and they're super different. And those are both truths and they're both parts of the truth.
2: Gotcha. Um, That was wonderfully explained. Yes. It's all, I think it's up to us to live according to, the truth right it's ultimately we are the embodiment of the truth and from the actions i I do think
1: we can we can trip ourselves up in this never-ending quest to find that capital t truth and i've been thinking about success a lot recently and what that is and i feel like people are always looking for the definition of success and um what i've come to what i really like is that success and this applies to truth is doing the best you have with what you're given like we are all handed a deck of cards in life we all have a, a have a hand of cards i mean and um it's easy to be like oh i wish i had his hand of cards or her hand of cards or their hand of cards or whatever but no you're given this how can you use that to the fullest potential like look at what you're given in life and just go for it like figure everything out that you can within your limitations. Cause we all have limitations. I don't know. I, I, I that, that works really well for me. Cause it's something anyone mm-hmm. can do no matter where they're from. And we can all do that spiritually too. Like we're all raised in different environments with different people around us, but our minds are always free and we just have to use our natural inclinations and polish them up as best we can in order to be the best people we can be.
2: Mm-hmm. You got to play your hand, right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and, how and, how do you polish that? Oh, sorry. You go. You want to say something?
0: Oh, I, I was gonna say I I've been thinking about success in in the framework for a, for a bit now of kind of momentum, um and um movement rather than specific goals because I think like like Luke I cheer myself
1: up with goals a lot too. Like I'm I'm very much like oh did this checklist, bam, it's done. So I, I'm, I'm with you there, but it's, it's hard for me.
0: And, and I've found that I often try to look at my spiritual process as a checklist and it always feels good in the moment and then terrible later on. And what I mean by that is I'm <laughs> yes, often Yes, I like, have
1: prayed today.
0: <laughs> or, or even like, oh, I struggle with uh, jealousy I fixed it. Check <laughs> on to the next thing. I will never deal with that again. Mm. And that goes all well and good for a month tops until all the same things come back. And I'm like,
2: <laughs>
0: what? what was the point? Mm-hmm. And I think the viewing it more as, as movement, you know, am I, am I better than I was yesterday? Do I understand my flaws a little better? Have I worked on coping mechanisms that work a little better? Um, Have I, have I built for myself a a mind that is able to have the tools it needs? Have I built a community that, that has the support I need a little more each day? Mm -hmm. And, And so the, I think the only person we should be comparing ourselves to is ourself. Right. And getting back to this thing Luke said about like, oh, I wish I had his hand. Um, I think the only thing we should be doing is saying, oh, look what look what I did with my hand that I didn't have three weeks ago or five years ago. You know, look at the progress I've made. Look at the direction I'm headed. As long as I'm continuing to move that direction, it doesn't matter how long it takes because I'm not trying to get anywhere i'm just trying to continue in that direction
2: mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's like about alignment right if you're aligned in the right yeah. direction and understanding your flaws because we're human beings we're not you know we are not we're just animals we're, you know we're still animals we are spiritual beings but there's also an aspect of us that is has this uncontrollable monkey mind sure and if, but as long as you are aware of that and you're aligned and you know that we we also lie beyond the monkey mind. I think that you're you're on the right path, right? You're playing it your correctly.
1: Yeah, and with that monkey mind, for a long time, I was a person who was like, okay, I recognize that monkey mind. I'm gonna put that in a box over here, shut the door, lock it away. Can't get out. Monkey mind, dunzo. <laughs> when I when I think it's more long term, uh, useful to understand that monkey mind. Like we all have things and, and traits that aren't, aren't great. So let's understand where those come from, what they really want and hear them. Because I, I feel like so often some of those things just want to be heard and acknowledged. And then once we do that, it's easier to put it aside and be like, I hear you, understand you. Thank you for protecting me or, 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 or wanting this for me, whatever, I'm gonna do this instead of just ignoring it. Cause when we ignore problems or things, they they're going to come back to bite us. They're going to find a way out. Mm-hmm. Um, so just understanding it and being at peace with, with it and also choosing not to follow it as your leader.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: I think when, when Richard was talking, I, I sort of a house analogy came to mind of like, sometimes when we have stuff we want to work on personally, it's like, okay, I want to finish the basement in my house. Um, but other things are going to fall into disrepair if you're just focusing on that basement or if you're not focusing on anything in general. So like uh, uh, the most stable long-term house or structure is going to require constant maintenance of little issues that have escaped by or of things that you worked on a while ago but need to do again. Uh, And if you leave it for too long, maybe it rots the wood and you need to really gut it and it's it's more expensive or more time consuming um so i think this sort of checking in with yourself and where you've come from acknowledging the things you have done well and um making sure that you're staying on top of the stuff that you think you've conquered because again nothing's ever 100 you can never 100 percent conquer or finish anything
2: mm-hmm. yeah that's great guys so what is your practice like? Do you have any sort of uh, routine or anything? Well, we like- put
1: five people like in a pentagram and then we, they all get ceremonial sort of daggers and mm-hmm. they'll turn to the right. Uh, I think the third sunset of every other week. Uh, no.
2: <laughs> we, we're, hey, we're if it very, works, it works, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're fairly traditional uh, minister, uh, Sunday services, that sort of thing. That's what, that's what Richard does. If you want to talk more about the, um, traditions or the effects of it.
0: Yeah. Um, so I think everyone's specific faith practice looks a little different. Um, I mean, there are people in our faith that are huge into meditation. There are people that are big into devotional reading, you know, like any faith, it looks different, but in terms of the kind of structured ritual, um, generally like a Sunday service kind of church. um, We have two big sacraments. um, Sort of like the, in Catholicism, there are seven, right? Seven sacraments. I don't know. I think in Catholicism, Uh, we have two, which is just baptism and uh, what we call Holy supper. Um, In Catholicism, they call it communion. Um, And Basically baptism happens once um, and it's just sort of being like, Hey, this is, I like this stuff. This is what I'm going to try to focus my life on. I'm going to, I think this is the truth. I'm going to try to live my life based on this stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and, uh, Holy supper is, uh, a more serial thing happens depending on the community, once a month or, or once or four times a year or, or whatever. And it's basically this a time to come and acknowledge your connection with the Lord and uh, kind of set aside time to think more deeply about your relationship with God and the progress you've been making and, and what you want to do and, and where you need help and where you've been succeeding and just kind of be like, Hey, what if we set aside a time for reflection Um, and acknowledgement of your connection with God. Um, and that's, that's what our church sees the, um, eating of bread and drinking of wine, which we, we do as, as symbolic, um, for connecting with the Lord's love and the Lord's truth, um, or wisdom. Um, the bread is representative of the Lord's love and the wine is representative of the Lord's wisdom. Mm. Um, and so it's the idea of, of consuming it is, is making it part of us, right? The food we eat becomes part of us. It becomes our energy to, to do things. So making the Lord's love and wisdom part of us and the energy that drives us to action, Mm -hmm. um, sort of all mixed up in there.
2: I know what you mean. It's like a symbolic gesture. Yep. I see.
0: Um, so those are our two like big sacraments um we're a big marriage church um one of our teachings is that um marriage continues after death and that people in heaven are married um which is different from the i i believe catholicism uh has the idea that we're genderless spirits after death um the new church teaches that people are, are married after death, which is, I think a really cool idea because as, as a married person myself um, I can't imagine being like, well, I died so long person. I spent my whole life with. Mm. Um, So so
2: marriage in a different energetic form in a way though, like what if, you know, if there is a, a life that's after this or some kind of other realm, I would imagine we don't look like like I don't look like this probably and you don't there isn't probably even vision like I can imagine heaven is something that is outside our five senses it's like this we still embody the same energy that we embody in this that we embody but I think to me it's something that is so outside of this body if that makes sense like it's the same energetic patterns and the same kind of being that's inside of me, but it's not necessarily like the same image, if that makes sense. Do you believe it's sort of like that?
0: Um, so I think that our five senses are um, sort of like I was talking about mirrors before. I think a lot of things on in the natural realm are sort of a mirror of something higher. Mm-hmm. And we see that just in our common language. Like I just said, I said, we see that in our common language. I don't mean literally we see it. Yeah. I mean, we understand it, mm-hmm. right? And so eyes have this representative idea of, of understanding or thought. Um, but if I say, I hear you, it's a little more than just I understand. It's more of an emotional connection. I, I get it. Mm-hmm. I, I feel it yeah and so so hearing has a a more heart focused representation, and so um the new church teaches that we still have bodies that can act and do things, um, but it's a spiritual reality um, mm. with its own kind of spiritual physics that are different than the physics of the natural world. but at the same time, a lot of things appear in a form that we would expect them to, but it's a form representative of something deeper. Um, know you, you know, so, so people are, are energetic and youthful and, and beautiful in the same way that someone you love really, really deeply looks more beautiful to you than they probably do to someone else mm-hmm. because you know the real beauty of them and it shines through on their face. Mm. And that is even more a reality after death Um, And so like it it talks about, you know, people that are in certain mindsets find themselves seeing a certain environment based on the representation of the mindset they're in, you know, so if you're in a mindset of doing something new and excitement for for trying to uh, restart, it'll be morning time. Um, If you're in the mindset of of winding down and and contemplation, maybe it'll be evening and there's still sort of a progression like that um, and and an environment like that. But it's representative of what's happening inside us and 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 between us rather than a a static environment.
2: I know what you mean. Yeah. It's just a continuation of the, the energy. It's not really a continuation of our five senses. It's more of like what the five senses represent, right
0: yeah, and so there's this there's this idea where where love is um, love is kind of the idea of distance, and again, we see that in our common language. If I say like, "Wow, I'm feeling really close to you, I don't mean that I'm physically up against you. I mean that I feel like our hearts are close. Like we're connected like we are we're sharing an emotional connection um, and and that is the reality in the other world. you know the people around you are people that love like you love that understand that that understand the heart in the same way you do mm. um, and and time is like I was saying, a, a progression of thought pattern and I think we all kind of have this rise and fall of of excitement about a new endeavor, kind of a sustaining in that new endeavor, and then uh, an easing out and reflection on what we did kind of pattern. And it's like the pattern of the day, the rise and fall of the sun. Mm. And so there's all these, this the, the spiritual realities inside us become the spiritual reality around us instead of like, Oh man, I'm really ready to go to bed. Why is it only 4 p.m.? What happened? Or like, I'm not ready to sleep yet. Like, I still feel like I have more to do, but it's two in the morning and I know I'm going to be exhausted. So I guess I'll go to bed. That's not how it functions. Mm. Uh, A really great real world example is the idea like, time flies when you're having fun. And I think the reason that happens is because when we are having fun, we are enjoying the state we're in. And if it ends before our mind doesn't want that to end, we feel like time went by too quickly because our yeah. spiritual reality, we're still right in the middle of that, but our physical reality doesn't agree. Or if you've ever been you know, sitting in a class in school and you feel like it's dragging on and on, it's because mentally you were done but our real world time doesn't care, right? Yeah. There's still 25 minutes left in class. Mm. Um, but in the other world, in, in heaven, it'll be like the moment you're done, oh, well, that's a wrap on class today um, because you're ready to go on to the next thing. Mm. Um, and, and there's a lot of different kind of spiritual physics. Like I said, the book called Divine Love and Wisdom talks about a lot of that stuff. Um, great, as well man. as another book of our faith that's called Heaven and Hell, as just talks very specifically yeah, about more experiences of the afterlife. Mm. So, if you're interested, you can check out either of those. Definitely, books.
2: that was great, man. I like how you mentioned school because that's kind of how I see this life. It's like it's like a school. that we're just here to learn how to love, and uh, saying things like that. One would think. I thought at least. Like, oh man, I can't wait to get to heaven. I can't wait till whatever comes next, right? But I think what we talked about before and touched upon before was that it's not about that. Just like it is in school, it's not about like just wanting to leave this school. It's about just learning the lessons while we're in school. So I think I'm it's the same thing. Learning to love thing. school too. Yeah, learning <laughs> to love school and just- Yeah, no, that's huge. And you know, heaven starts here. It starts while we're in wow. school, learning how to learning how to love, and, uh, and then we graduate, but it doesn't end at graduation, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go on to yeah. college. I guess you could say.
1: So. Yeah. That's, that's definitely been a more recent thing for me is like, cause like I was saying before I get very checklist oriented and like, I do things and it's done. It's in the past. Let's move forward constantly. And I think that can also lead me to being like, okay, I need to do X, Y, and Z. So I'm a good person. So I get to heaven. So I am happy but that's not the point of it. Like that's heaven isn't a reward. And I think I said that in the beginning, but like, so I'm trying to be more peaceful with where I am and, and loving every, every moment to its fullest. And I'm a very like positive, happy person. And I love life, but um, I'm often like uh, in the future operating, like what's, what's next and not really appreciating the here and now. And, and I, and I do like taking moments like this, like even while we were talking While we're talking about school, Richard, I'm thinking back to me in school and thinking class will never end. And just how wild is it that I'm a human being having these experiences with the capability of having memories and thinking about the future and talking about what love is. And just sometimes I get very caught up in the just the metaphysical nature of everything that we experience. And it's just so wild and crazy and beautiful that we get this opportunity to do this. Yeah, like. I just think it's so, I just think life is so cool. Like, it's just the, the <laughs> coolest thing there is to be alive, to be human with the capabilities we have and just live every day to the
2: fullest. 100%, man. And I'm glad I get to experience it with you guys. Gary, same here, my friend. <laughs> and anybody listening as well. <laughs> no, we're all on this journey together.
1: It's true. It's, it's true. a beautiful
2: thing. It's but uh, yeah, yeah.
0: And I, I just, I think the more that we're able to talk to each other about it, and and have spirituality be relaxed and conversational like this um, instead of tense or or stuffy, yeah, I think is so important because I just don't, I don't know, maybe I'm just projecting my experience onto others, but I don't think people learn as well in those sorts of environments i think that people Mm -hmm. learn being able to think and discuss and and question and experience ideas um and yeah i i just
2: it's comfort it's creating comfort because like if you follow like the old ways it doesn't seem too comfortable it's kind of like a little can be like intimidating you know in a way to to approach God in that way approach you know a church in that way like everybody's wearing robes and weird hats and you know burning weird incense it's like you know it has to be relatable I feel like mm-hmm. it's it's good to be uh, relatable and create comfort to people and know that uh um to not approach it with like a sense of fear like if you don't do this then you're gonna end up in the fiery right uh, uh, land of hell like yeah it's, yeah, it's this is like, this is the the second coming, like we talked about in the beginning, this is the new beginning of, of um, almost like a new church in a way, you know, it's, it's a new, it's, it's of humanity, it's just creating a, a way for everybody to really relate to the vine within themselves. And it starts with just not fearing that in ourselves. And uh, yeah, these large institutions, and, you, you know, like, uh, any, any large religion, it's kind of, like I said, it can be a little intimidating. So that's why it's important for you guys and me and anybody listening to really kind of spread the good word, but spread it in a different way. That's, that is able to touch people in a different way and, and uh, make it so it's just easily digestible in a way and just fun. That's what I like about you guys. You guys are funny. <laughs> you guys are cool we try. guys we try. <laughs> like i'd want to cool. hang out with you guys you know I mean? <laughs> no i mean hey if covid wasn't
1: the thing we were in the same place we should go grab a beer or whatever it'd be fun yeah. um you but live uh, in yeah pennsylvania
2: all... right yeah
1: well i do richard's up in i live michigan.
0: in
2: michigan oh okay right i'm in massachusetts so we're a little oh, far nice. away nice but,
1: but yeah. yeah i think i i mean just everything you were saying there it all relates back to being able to uh give people things in the way that they can receive things like meeting people how they can be met and Mm -hmm. that's yeah
0: it's really important and 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 something that we something i've been thinking about recently is i think that it's really cool how faith communities create a space for people of of similar belief to kind of dive deep into what they believe with each other and learn from other people who are kind of studying the same source i think that's super useful but I also think if you don't bring that to other people, it creates these little pockets where everyone only knows deep down people that believe the same thing as them. And it so easily creates this us versus them yeah. other mentality mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, we are the people who dive deep and understand? And they're not Yeah. instead of like, we're all people that are trying to understand why we're here. And how to be our best selves. And it's useful to get together with people with the same mindset and try to perfect the way that we're living. Mm-hmm. But it's also useful to talk to people who see things differently and see if there's a big area that we just didn't even notice we were lacking. Yeah. Um, and and just to understand that there are people doing it differently, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um And that's where this sort of conversational idea of spirituality, just being like, hey, yeah, I believe in God and I think that God is tight and God is love itself and he's cool and I'm excited to know him um, and I'm excited to talk about him with people Mm -hmm. Um, instead of being guarded. Yeah, and, and
1: making people feel safe to talk about or hel- not making them but helping them feel safe to talk about what they believe too and like yeah. not feel like they're going to be scorned or judged or uh sent damned by us or whatever the case may be
2: yeah that's what it's about because the the big g word has a lot of interpretations on on who you ask
1: yeah it's and like, baggage and, sometimes which yeah. it's hard to get past
2: yeah so it is important to have dialogue not even just listen to dialogue in a podcast, just in general, just anybody. It's important to talk. and it just comes down to open-mindedness. Just be an open-minded mm-hmm. person. and <laughs> Be understanding of the other person's situations. It's that simple.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you can disagree with someone and still be respectful. And mm-hmm. I, few people change for the better after being from being disrespected that's it's not the way people work no one's like oh that guy was a real a-hole to me maybe i should listen to what he (laughs) said. maybe i want to be more like him yeah Yeah. maybe i should do what he does
2: (laughs) exactly man exactly just be a good person
0: yeah
2: that's it do the best of what you have recognize yourself in somebody else that's it that's a good starting point yeah you know getting rid of any kind of ritual any kind of Anything that you really want to do to get yourself in the mindset, if you just want to put it simply, just recognize that the other person is also a confused human being that is going through their own shit, going through their own whatever drama in life. Just recognize that. And maybe take the time to listen to what their situation's like. And then maybe they'll take the time to listen to you. I don't know.
1: No, but, and that's such a humble thing to do. And I love that. Yeah. Leaving ego at the door to establish... Uh, a teammate who's just going through life i'm huge on that love it love
2: mm-hmm. it that's the way man that is the, way. <laughs> that is the oh way. man but well, other than that i think we can wrap it up at that point <laughs> cool awesome. you guys got any closing statements anything you'd like to say before you we, well, uh, i will say
1: that um you know we were saying time flies as a heavenly state and I, you know an hour and a half or whatever went by and just flew on by so yeah man that <laughs> sort of thing
2: yeah it's yeah, like yeah. that
0: Thanks so much for having us on. This was just super fun. I love, I love chances to to talk and hear how other people see the world and, and get to share what I'm excited about is super fun.
1: Yeah. I'd, I'd love to, I'd, I haven't heard uh, as much about what you believe and your path. I'd like, so I'll have to come back through some episodes or, or come on again sometime and have you, have you talk to us more?
2: 100 always down you guys are always welcome uh welcome and i'll always if you guys want to extend the invite to me i'll come on and talk to you guys awesome, awesome. either way Thank i'd like to so talk much to much you much. guys more because you just seem like cool guys so yo, hit
1: us yeah. up for sure <laughs> <laughs> no worries yeah definitely um
2: uh, a quick quick plug if you don't
1: mind if anyone out there is curious about uh myself luke and richard and want to know more about our religion or see what we're up to Our podcast is called spiritable. That is spirit able. And we're on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you find audio podcasts, as well as YouTube, where we have our video podcast. So check us out spiritable. If you're interested to learn more,
0: if you have specific questions for us that you want answered, you can also send us an email at spiritablepodcast at gmail.com. True. True. True.
2: Awesome. Awesome.
1: Dude, Gary, thank you so much, man. This has been a, this has been a joy.
2: No, thank you guys. This was awesome. Um, yeah. Other than that, peace out. I guess. All, <laughs> All right, right. Take, take it touch. easy. Be good. <laughs> Have a good night, guys.
0: Yeah, Stay God bless. Look forward to hearing from you.
2: Peace. See you.